38, he says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Have you ever wondered why he said that? It's kind of a strange thing. Will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I've, I've taught on this before, but there's this, this picture that God has given me that the measure we use when we give to God, He takes that same measure when we pray and say, Lord Jesus, I need help. And He has to use that same measure. So when we give, and I only give a little tiny teaspoon, there you go, Jesus, I'll just drop that in the offering once a month. Then when we ask and it comes for him to re reply and, and reward us, he goes looking for what you use. For, oh, there's that little teaspoon. Oh, wow, I'm not sure how much I can fit in there. So he squeezes as much as he can into that little teaspoon for you, you see. He presses it down, he shakes it together, and he gets it till it's just like running over, and he gets the maximum amount he can to give to you because he wants to be as generous as he possibly can with the measure you used. Does that make sense? And so if you use a bucket load, Jesus is going to take that bucket load and shake it together, press it down, make it running over so that he can return back to you. And I, I feel like there's some keys in the kingdom that many of us, we pray to God, God, we need financial breakthrough. But if we are not doing our part, if we are not stepping out and trusting him and saying, God, I'm going to be generous, I'm going to give beyond, I'm going to give sacrificially. We've had so many testimonies. I've actually had, like in the last couple of weeks, three testimonies of people who started tithing and have come back to me saying, I don't know how the maths works, but I have more at the end of the month since I've been tithing these last three months. And I just want to say to you, we've, we've spoken about the fact that this is the only area you can test God. But I want to encourage you, whatever you are giving now, trust God to increase the measure. Because as you increase the measure, you give God the power to use that measure to return back to you. Amen. So God bless you as you give. Lord, we just bless the finances of this church. We thank you, Father, that you bless every person here. Cause wealth to arise. Cause income to increase. Cause jobs to come. Cause promotions to come. That, Lord, there will be no lack amongst us because we understand the keys of the kingdom. And you, as we trust you and give to you, will reward and return to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, ushers. You can pass the bags. A couple of quick things we've been announcing. Women's Day event is coming up. And all the women said, okay, good. That's great. I mean, you guys were very well choreographed. Did you practice last week? So we've got a Women's Day event coming up. Please sign up. Go look at our website, everynationramesich.coza. It's going to be on Saturday, 11 August. It's going to be from 10 to 1. Uh, the cost is 100 Rand. Students, 50 Part of that is not just to cover the costs of the Women's Day event, but it's also going to go towards our compassion ministry, helping those in need, as well as helping some of our students who are in need. So we would encourage you to give towards that and know that it's going beyond just your own meal. Amen. And so women, please sign up for that. I'm also going to encourage the husbands, as I did last week, to set that time aside, if you have children, to look after the children and take them out and do something great with them. Amen? So Women's Day event will be at the venue that they're going to announce, but the Men's Day event will be at exactly the same time at McDonald's, uh, sorry, uh, wherever God leads you to take your children and give them a good morning. Amen? So set it aside. And then we are starting a series, Pastor Darling's going to launch it today. It's a new series uh, called War Room. And talking about prayer. And so as we really preach on prayer, we want to practice it, not just preach it. And so we're going to have clipboards here. We are setting up a 24-7 week of prayer. We're going to have it from the 30th of July to the 5th of August. We would like you to write down what time you personally are committed to pray. Then please put that time on your phone. Some of you, you know you wake up at midnight every night, don't know what to do. Well, put your name down for midnight. But we want to try and set up a 24-7 prayer list that we are praying consistently for a week and practicing what we're preaching. Amen? So we're going to pass these around. Please put your name down on a date or time that you feel you can make. And then put that on your phone as a reminder. Uh, otherwise, we're going to get a lot of phone calls to the church office saying, Sorry, what time did I put my name? Please don't call at midnight to ask what time you put your name down. But we are trusting God's going to do amazing things. Prayer works, and we're going to hear more about it right now from Pastor Darling. Everyone say, God bless Pastor Darling. Awesome. So, so great to be with you. God is doing such good things, such good things. I was 
at a hospital, a hospital, Mill Park Hospital yesterday, praying for a man who they had just called all the family to the hospital and they were expecting him to pass on. He had um, contracted uh, a viral disease that he, they, um, his, everything was kind of collapsing and it was near the end. We prayed and we declared scriptures over him. We, I, you know, I just felt the presence of God just saying, my word is true, my word is true. We declared those scriptures over him. I left there and I got a message um, very, very shortly after that. He has gone from critical to stable and he's going to make it. So it's just, it's just so exciting how God, how God is true to his word. God is able to do great things for us. Can you help me there, darling? Thank you. So we are starting a new series today called War Room, and it is about prayer. It's about changing the world through prayer. I don't know how many of you saw the, saw the movie War Room. How many of you saw that movie? Wasn't it just amazing? I mean, I'm not so, quite sure of the acting. The acting was a little bit strange from time to time, and there were a little few corny moments in it. Sorry, my personal opinion. But the actual content of the movie was so profound, so profound that prayer works. Prayer works. Um, the, the leading lady, Clara, she made the statement at, right at the beginning of the movie. She says this, victory doesn't just happen. Victory doesn't happen by chance. Victory happens because you have a strategy, a prayer strategy, a, an obedience strategy. You're walking with God and victory comes as a result of that. So Lord, we just pray that as we are, as we are speaking around this topic today and for the next four weeks, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts to what prayer can do, Lord God. You would unite our hearts to you in this, Lord God. Father God, we would become a people who seek you in prayer, who live in an atmosphere of intimacy with you, and out of that, great things happen. Great things happen, Lord God. We are confident that you have called us to change the world, to change our world, to make the world a different place because of how we live in relationship to you. Amen and amen. Pray, I'll change God's move. Um, there is a, oh, okay, it's not changing on my thing. That's fine. Give me a moment. Great people. There we go. Okay. John Piper says this, and I, um, when I heard this quote, it just really struck me. He said, until you know that life is war, you will not know what prayer is for. When I first heard that, one of our other pastors shared it in a meeting recently, and it just struck me, you know, that for so many Christians, we're living a, a life where we have this expectation that everything's going to fall into our lap. We sometimes even get mad at God because things don't seem to go our way. But really, in essence, God has placed mankind on earth here to be the instruments through which his will is manifest on earth. And that we are in this, in this maybe cosmic war, if you, if you want to think about it, that Jesus has already won. But we are walking in the victory of what he's already done and bringing that victory to pass here on earth. I want to, I want to tell you a story. If you can imagine, put your mind back to the Lord of the Rings. And I want you to imagine that God, as he created the universe, he, he made these beautiful rings stamped with his authority, stamped with the mark of his kingdom. And he came to mankind and he, after he had created the universe, he put man as the authority figures over, the, over his creation, giving them these rings and proclaiming, go and make this world reflect my glory. And mankind um, 
as he was doing this, realized that this, this great responsibility somehow rested quite heavily on their hearts. And some of them said, well, well, Adam said, you know what? I don't know that I want this responsibility. I really want to live how I want to live. And in so doing, he took his ring off and said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have God as the ruler of this universe. I want to be in charge. I want to say what happens. And taking off his ring, he discarded it. And of course, the enemy was very quick to pick it up. And through the ages, all of many human beings, we've, you know, we've handed that authority to the enemy in so many ways. And, and the enemy almost collecting those rings has stood now holding the authority that mankind was meant to hold over the earth and able to therefore bring destruction to our environment. Of course, we know the stories that Jesus came and he, he wrestled the enemy. He came and took the enemy on in his own turf and brought or won back the authority that we had given away. And in so doing, the creator of the universe, who had all authority anyway, now has authority by virtue of being creator, but by also virtue of being a man who won back the authority here on earth. And if you want to hear the scripture for it, Colossians 1 verse 16 tells us that Jesus, that, th that through him, all, all of creation was created. It was created by him and for him. In other words, all authority, all sovereign rulership rests with him. And then Genesis 1.28 tells us that he established mankind and he said to him, be fruitful and multiply. Gave him dominion over all the earth and all the, the creatures over the earth and all of creation. Saying rule over it. Mankind gave that authority away on so many counts to the point that when Jesus came, he actually called the devil the prince of this world three times. In other words, the, the devil had, had deceived us, had seen our weakness, and had wrestled that authority away from us and was carrying it over all the world Colossians 2, 14 and 15 tells us how Jesus, on the other hand, came and it says he defeated the principalities and powers, triumphing over them, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them at the cross, wrestling back the authority over the world. And last of all, Ephesians 3, verse tells, 10 tells us that Jesus... Jesus is as now king of the, the universe by virtue of being creator, but also king of the earth by virtue of him winning back the authority from the enemy. It says as head of the church, it says that he distributes the manifold wisdom. The manifold wisdom of God is made manifest to the principalities and the powers of this world through the church. What is he saying? He's saying that, in essence, Jesus wrestled back that authority from the enemy. And now, as head of the church, he hands it to you and me, and he says, all authority that has been given to me, go now and make disciples. Go now and make the world into the world it was meant to be. Go now and establish my kingdom. What has this got to do with prayer? Everything. What that means is it means that the words that come out of our mouth are stamped with the authority of heaven. That means that the things that we declare in line with God's truth become the authority by which he can move on this earth. And I want to propose to you that prayer works. I want to propose to you that there is power in what we say. There's power in what we do. Because after thousands of years where the devil held the world in his grip to bring torment, pain, poverty, finally that authority rests with the church delegated by Jesus Christ. And as we pray, things change. Not one of us is a hopeless victim of our circumstances. Because we stand with the authority of Jesus Christ able to declare that and able to bring it to pass, able to be effective in our partnership with him to bring it to pass. 
we are going to be reading a passage of scripture from Acts 4. It's a fascinating story, but the disciples, well, Peter and John had been at the temple and they had pulled a man or they had healed a man who'd been lame and this man had gone leaping and walking and praising God all over the place and all of Jerusalem was in an uproar over this incredible miracle that had happened. The ruling authority, the religious authorities were very angry. Why? Because they felt their influence over the people slipping away. And they had brought Peter and John in and they had questioned him and finally they had just said to them, We'll let you go on one condition that you no longer preach about Jesus. And the story is taken up in verse 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. You know, when you are under siege, when uh, life isn't going your way, when the people around you seem to be resisting what you know God has says for your life, when, when things seem to, there were troubles, difficulties coming all over the place, your family isn't operating the way it should, business isn't going the way it should, I want to propose to you that this is the correct answer, yeah. is that you go back to your people, the church. You come into the fellowship of the community where the authority of Jesus Christ is held, the church. And you raise your voices together in prayer. And together, corporately, the authority that we all hold becomes this corporate authority and it establishes truth. It makes things different. Moving on, we hear their prayer from verse 24. It says, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. There are two things that they did. First of all, they went to God and they began to proclaim his sovereignty. What were they doing? They began to praise him. When Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, the first thing you should do is you should say, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be or anointed or lifted up, be your name. What did he say? He said that when you... When you begin to pray and you begin to labor and pray, the first and most important thing is that you begin with praise. And why is that? Because praise gives you perspective. The first thing they did is they got perspective through praise. They began to remember who God was. They began to proclaim it. They began to, began to say, do you remember Mike last week proclaiming, you know, after praise and worship that France was going to win and praying for them. What was he doing? He's got perspective and he knew what God wanted. And then he said it and prayed it. And it happened. But... They were getting perspective through praise. Because you know what? Imagine they're standing before this council who really are threatening to kill them. They have the power to kill them. Their lives are in danger. You know, that, that has the effect of almost pulling your thinking towards self-preservation. How am I going to live? How am I going to make it through this? We've all experienced that, how difficult times kind of pull our thinking, pull our hearts towards just preserving what I have. We kind of pull into ourselves and our world becomes very small and it's all about just making it through the next day. But the problem with that is that... If I have problems, and here my problems are, 
this bottle. And if I spend a lot of time thinking about and looking at my problems and I put my problems right here, I have to be honest, you all look like a water bottle right now. <laughs> Is that the, the more you focus on your problems, the bigger they become and the more they obscure your ability to see the solutions. And what praise does and thinking about who God is and his majesty and what he's done and the testimonies of what has happened before is it pulls you away from your problem. Darling, can you hold that water bottle? And pulls you away from your problem to I can see, oh look, no, you're not all water bottles. There's far more going on than just my problems. And what praise does is it lifts you up to the high place. Thank you. It lifts you up to the high place where you can see how God sees. The Bible talks about in Ephesians 2 verse 6 that God has seated us with Christ in heavenly places. And when we do as the disciples do is that we separate ourselves from the problem. We take time to look at the majesty and the glory of God. Thank him for the things he has done. Suddenly the perspective changes. Suddenly it seems so possible that he would work through the situation. Suddenly it seems so possible that God could bring a change. Suddenly solutions come to you that weren't there in the first place. Revelations 4 verse 1, one of my just favorite phrases in the Bible. The Apostle John was having this prophetic experience and the Bible talks about he saw an open door. And he heard this voice calling to him, come up here. And if you're a person that kind of likes symbols, really what God was doing was calling him up to the high place, to a place of intimacy and closeness with him, so that from that place he could show him the things that were to come. He was living in a persecuted church where people were being killed daily for their faith. And it was possible that he could have prophesied from a place of fear and pain and um, just magnifying the difficulties that the churches were facing. But God said to him, before you can prophesy to these churches, you must come up here and you must see this from my perspective. And then you will prophesy, speak, pray what I had always meant you to. The next thing they did is they weaponized. I had to use the word beginning with W because it's got to work with word. So weaponized. They got armed. They put on weapons. They weaponized through the word. You will notice that, that Peter, or their prayers, quoted a particular passage or scripture. It is taken from Psalm 2, and we're going to look at it in a moment, but they, they took scripture and then they began to say, how do we fight in this situation? How do we find God's will in this situation? How do we live out God's purposes in this very difficult situation? We must dig into the word and we must find his will through that. The Bible talks about how the word of God is a double-edged sword. It says sharper than any double-edged sword. And it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what they did is they went to the word and they said, God, show us your plan. They had spent time talking about how God was sovereign, how nothing could happen outside of his will. They had gotten perspective through, through that praise and now they began to look to the word to determine their next steps. So the passage of scripture that they used was from Psalm 2, and it starts like this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed. And that sounds like, oh my gosh, that's such a terrible place to leave it. 
it's got this picture of nations, kings, rulers rising up against God and saying, why should we be ruled by you? And indeed, that's what they did in Jesus. And they're saying, yes, we see that coming to pass, that these nations rose up and crucified, crucified the Son of God. They, they, they said, we will throw off the rule and reign of God by getting rid of his Messiah. And so they said, yes, this has already happened. And you know what? They didn't go on and quote the rest of the psalm, but these were, these were Jews. They knew that psalm. And so by quoting the beginning of it, what they were doing is they were bringing to remembrance in their hearts the fullness of the psalm. Because they all knew what came next. And this is what came next. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And he rebukes them in his anger. In other words, all these people that try to rise up against the purposes of God, God laughs. And I guess my proposal to you is that all of, all of the things that you faced in life where it feels like there's been opposition and difficulty against the purposes of God in your life, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. How, how can anything rise up against the purposes of God? How can anything thwart what he has to do? He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son, speaking of Jesus. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way for his wrath can flare up in a moment blessed are all who take refuge in him I don't know if you feel like that scripture is a bit of warfare right there so in essence what the disciples were doing they were saying guys we expected this we expected opposition Psalm 2 tells us the nations will rise up against the anointed against Jesus we expected opposition but we know how it goes on from there that no opposition can stand against the purposes of God that God indeed will establish his ways that his son will rule and reign and that all authority on earth needs to be where it needs to submit to the authority of God. And so in essence, they said, you know what? The Sanhedrin, the elders, they told us not to preach Jesus. But we know where their true authority lies. We know who's really in charge. We know really what happens right after this. What is interesting to me is that very same worldly system the Roman Empire is the one who crucified Jesus. That was one of these rulers that rose up against his anointed. How many of you fear the Roman Empire right now? Just a question. Just a question. How many are afraid of being um, taken into custody by one of the Caesars? How many of you have read the decrees of the Caesars to make sure that your life complies with what they want? The answer is not one of you. Why? Because they rose up against God's plans and purposes, and they are no more. How many of you fear being taken over by a communist regime right now? I mean, has that ever been a thought that maybe that could happen to you in the last five years? No, of course it hasn't. Why? Because communism has fallen. Do you know there was a time, certainly when I was growing up in school, where we were trained about how terrible communism was and it was going to take over the whole world. You know that in America, for a season, they, they learned battle tactics of how to escape the attack of the Russians that were coming to get them. Children did drills at school, hiding under tables in case the, the Russians dropped nuclear war bombs on them. A 
communism rose up against the Messiah, against the anointed one, to try and stop the spread of Christianity throughout the world. But we have Psalm 2 to tell us that no matter how powerful you look for a season, no matter how many guns or nuclear warfare, nuclear warheads you have, the Lord laughs at your plans to stop his plans. And this, these revelations, they didn't know anything about the communists at those stages, but these, this revelation came to those disciples. What they did is they, they took, they, they allowed that word to create faith in their hearts. They allowed it to permeate their thinking and to speak to them the fact that God is more powerful than any ruler. And from that place, they took that faith and they said, we will go out and preach. And we know how the rest of the story goes. The Bible says that all of the known world heard the gospel through those men and women. So prayer... You know, we often feel like, I don't know if you felt this, but I, I have often felt this, that, uh, that I go in prayer to kind of wrestle God's arm, to kind of wrestle him to the ground, you know, that he will sort of, he, he, he wasn't going to bless me, but if I pray hard enough now, you know, and I can just like twist his arm to come and bless me. If I pray hard enough, pray loud enough, pray the right things, God will kind of get off his throne. Oh, okay, okay. I'll come and bless her. Look, she's ticked all the boxes. I'm going to come bless her. I want to propose to you that's really a wrong way of thinking about prayer. I want to propose to you that God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. I want to propose to you that some of the reasons why your prayers aren't answers is because you're asking for too small of a blessing. And God's saying, I can't do that, man. I want to do this huge thing over here. Why are you just asking for that? Why are you, why are you, why are you asking for a spouse when I want to give you the, the heart of a father? Why are you asking for a job when I want to give you influence to change a nation? Not that you won't get a job or that you won't get a spouse, but... You're stopping at a small, personal blessing when God wants to give you a, a large, enormous, kingdom-bringing vision. C.S. Lewis, who I really, really respect, said this. He said, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes me. And really, what we're doing when we Come in praise. The first thing, pray, praise in the word, what it's doing is it's reorientating our thinking so that we can line up with the blessings that God has already wanted to bring. I'm reminded of Hannah who was praying for a child for so many years. You remember that story in the book of Judges? <coughs> Hannah praying. Sorry, the book of Samuel. <laughs> he was, he, he ended up being a judge, so he should have been in the book of Judges. <laughs> Hannah praying for a son and God not answering and then eventually giving her son. You know, you know I, I wonder what was that delay? I want to propose to you that she was playing, praying for a son. God wanted to give her a prophet to the nation of Israel. Until he could align her heart to the place that she could receive not just a son, but she could receive a prophet. He could not answer her prayer. And really, part of prayer is not so much twisting God's arm. Part of prayer is aligning our hearts to the place where we can receive what he wants to bring in answer to our prayers. Part of us is changing our heart, enlarging our heart to see what is, what, what is possible. Enlarging our hearts to see who God is. Enlarging our hearts to see what he wants to do. And praise in the word, they conquer 
complacency. They heal harm. They abolish antagonism. They nominate a new name. In other words, they create new identity in us. They grow great faith and they establish empathy. They allow us to see what is really going on in the hearts of people. Praise and the word change us. They change us. It moves on and it says in Acts 4, Now, Lord, this is their prayer continuing. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Prayer is about our change that causes God's move. Our change, God's move. There's a passage in scripture in Revelation that I was reminded of this week, but it always has been so close to my heart. Many years ago, I asked God to teach me to pray, and one of the scriptures he took me to was this particular scripture. And in it, it's, I don't know how figurative or literal it is, but I certainly know it's true. And it talks about how John saw in the book of Revelation, the throne room, and in it he saw the smoke of the incense, reading Revelations 8 from verse 4. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. The angels took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And there's this picture of angels fetching the prayers of the saints and it coming up and bringing it up before the throne room of God as incense, as sweet-smelling aroma to him, as something that is enjoyable and delightful to him. And in response, them taking from the altar before the Lord coals and flashing them down into earth so that thunder, lightning, and great change happens on the earth. Our prayers, our prayers shake the earth. Our prayers cause God to move. Our prayers where we have initiated them through praise and through the word and we have used those two things to align our hearts and those kind of prayers that have come up aligned to God's will and passion and vision for the earth cause God to move. Many, many years ago, not, no, so not so many, many years ago. It makes it sound like I'm very old. Just a few years ago, <laughs> I was sitting in our lounge and I was praying. And over the years, I have, I have, seems like I've cast out a lot of demons out of people in, for various reasons. And I, you know, I was sitting there and saying, God, I don't want to have I don't, want, I don't want to know about demons anymore. I just want to know about you and your angels. And he said to me, just in my heart, I felt this, would you like to see an angel? So what would you have answered? That's what I answered. And as I was sitting there, out of the corner of my eye, I saw kind of two bright figures standing to my right. I, I didn't see them like I saw you. They weren't solid. It was kind of like I could see them, but I could also see through them. They were kind of like a hologram standing to my right. Just, just glorious and magnificent. And I want to confess to you, there was, there was delight in my heart at seeing them. There was also a high degree of fear right then. You know, it was almost like I sat there and I thought to myself, don't move, don't move. Just keep very still. And I did. it was almost like it was... You know, I just was watching every tiny move or thought that I was having right then. I had the impression that I was in the presence of glory. And the two angels, they were standing there. They were large, human in, human in, in form, but just, you know, you couldn't see all the detail because there was a lot of light and glory radiating from them. 
And they stood there, and uh, as, I, as I was sitting there, you know, I just, you know, I'm a little bit dumbfounded. And so I did say to God, what should I do? <laughs> it seemed like the right thing to say. <laughs> and I felt him say, pray. Well, actually, before that, I, I, I felt him say, worship me. And I li lifted up my arms to worship. And as I lifted up my arms, without there being even a change, not even a, a second's delay, at the exact same time that I raised my arms, the angels raised their arms. You know, I just didn't know. You know, I'm still a little bit overwhelmed. I put my arms down because I didn't know what else to do. They put their arms down. I put my arms up. They put their arms down. So, you know, I thought it could I could invent a game, but I... Um, <laughs> at that moment, I was too overawed to think of things like that. But what it spoke to me is that their purpose right then and then was to reflect my heart of worship back to heaven. And then I felt like God said to me, pray. So I was sitting there, and I can't remember the exact things I prayed, but I, I prayed a sentence. And as I prayed the sentence, one of the angels was gone. Just in the same instance, same, same kind of reaction as when I raised my arms. It's just as instant as I was saying it, he was gone, and another one stood in his place. I prayed another sentence, and one of them was gone, and another one was in their place. I prayed another sentence, and another one was gone, and another one was in his place. And I realized this is this revelation, eight, in action. That my, my prayers were creating the spiritual movement. That, that these angels were now reflecting my prayers before the, the throne of heaven and, and bringing about answers. Bringing about transformation in the world. And you know, if, if this hadn't been written in scripture, if there wasn't some proof for it, I wouldn't preach it. Because experience doesn't trump the word. But nonetheless, it was, a, it was a physical representation of what I'd read in the Bible. And it showed me how powerful prayers aligned with God's heart are. In 1929, there was a young man by the name of Joe Church. You can see him on the very right there. He was an English man, and he was a missionary in Rwanda. He was a medical missionary. He wasn't on a day in pastor. He went as a doctor, and he was helping, a, helping running a hospital there and bringing much-needed medical attention to the people of Rwanda at that time. After he'd been there a couple of years, he had grown really frustrated because he hadn't seen much progress in the church and he hadn't seen... His, his understanding of the church in Rwanda at that time is that it was very complacent and wasn't really being effective in bringing God's kingdom. And so he decided to go on holiday to Uganda, Kampala, just for a break. And there he met the man on the very left there, Simeon Nsabambi. And they had known each other before. They were both Anglican people in the Anglican church. And they decided to go away for two days. They closed themselves in a room. And for two days, all they did was pray and read the Bible. Because they were both frustrated with the state of the church in East Africa at the time. So for two days, they prayed. And they read the Bible. They encouraged one another and they got their hearts right. They repented of everything they knew to repent. What were they doing? Through praise and the word, they were aligning their lives with God's purposes. They tell how the Holy Spirit came and flooded them with his presence. And they left that place, the two of them committed to go and preach the gospel wherever they went. From those two man, men began what we call the East African Revival, and it spread all over East Africa. Bands of men and women who went out. There were no known leaders. It was kind of like just ordinary, everyday people just moving from place to place, preaching in villages, pre preaching in schools, preaching in homes, telling people the good news. Just this, this incredible fire and passion came to the church in East Africa. Some of the most prominent evangelists were Joe Church, obviously a, a man by the way, name of 
William Nagenda, and another name, a man by the name of Festo Kivangere. You may have heard of him, but he became one of the most prominent African evangelists of the time. Very, very well known, and indeed he became part of Billy Graham's ministry and became one of his most prominent evangelists. But what is so amazing is that most of these people were not ordained ministers. Most of them were just ordinary, everyday churchgoers who aligned their lives with God and found this outpouring of God's power and presence. The same revival didn't just stay in Africa, but it spread all the way into Europe, America, Mexico, and became a worldwide phenomenon of people aligning their lives with God, repenting, turning away from their previous ways, and the church came alive. To this day, the Anglican church in East Africa is the biggest section of the Anglican church worldwide. Spirit-filled and evangelical. A radical, radical transformation in society at that time. In Uganda, Tanzania, and surrounding countries, Kenya. Just a radical transformation of how society operated. And really what this is, is prayer is about our change and God's move. Prayer is about coming before Him and aligning our lives, getting perspective through praise, getting weaponized through the word and seeing God move in incredible ways because our hearts are now aligned. If I can leave you with this one last analogy. You took a shower today and the water came from your geyser through a whole lot of pipes into the shower head. I want to ask you a question. What would have happened if one section of that pipe was not in place? Say there was a, a half meter of that pipe in your roof that had become dislodged. The water would not have got to your shower. The water would have spewed into your ceiling, destroyed your ceiling, run down your walls, destroyed your carpet and been a disaster. As God has put us as the the point of authority on this earth, the point through which he moves. I want to propose to you that when he wants to pour out the blessings of his presence on this earth, when he wants to pour out solutions and change on this earth, that he will do it through you and me. And I want to propose to you that if you're not in the right place, if you are dislodged from the pipeline, so to speak, that when God comes to pour out his presence, bring revival, change environments, heal your family, if he were to pour out power, it would go all in the wrong place. It would do more damage than it would do good. And part of prayer is us getting back into the pipeline, us hearing what his purposes are. So instead of praying that our husband would earn more money, we begin to pray, God, make our home a vessel of your glory. Cause us to fall more in love with each other. Cause us to do your purposes. Cause us to find what we are called to do. And if we get more money, praise the Lord. So what it means is that we become aligned to his purposes. And when he pours out his presence, it goes to the right place. Amen and amen. Lord, yeah, give the Lord a hand. Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord God, we thank you that your Father God, we just want to worship you as the glorious King of all, as the one who rules the universe, the sovereign King that, Lord God, nothing happens without your knowledge. Oh God, I thank you that you're, you're absolutely in charge. At the same time, Lord God, we feel the responsibility that you have delegated to us to bring about your will and way on earth, Lord, through our prayers. That our prayers open the door 
for you to come and do what you've always wanted to do. And Lord God, we stand before you. We sit before you and we, we cry out for our families and our nation. Lord God, we cry out that you would come and change us so that we can change our environments. We line our hearts with you and we say, come Lord, be great, be good, be glorious. Heal the people around us. Heal our families. Heal our nation. Lord God, those revivals we hear of of old, let that be the portion for South Africa. Lord God, we want the world to stand up and say, that nation is blessed by God. Lord God, we want the nations to stand and say, what is happening in South Africa, we want also. And so, Lord God, we align our hearts and we say, come, Lord, change us. Change us. Show us from your perspective what you want to do in our environment, Lord. And, Lord, we ask that you would move in power. Lord God, I ask for every person here that they would lay hand on, hands on the sick and they would recover. I want to ask for everyone here that they would preach the gospel in power. They would share their testimonies in power such that people are saved around them. I want to pray for everyone here, Lord God, that they would carry the wisdom of God such that their work environments and their homes are transformed by the wisdom they carry. Lord God, I want to pray for everyone here that their emotions would be tethered to your grace that they would feel your heart and they would respond to that and not be led by anything else but by, by your spirit Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord Lord God remake us into bringers of your kingdom Lord God let our prayers be effective let them transform our families our environments our homes, our workplaces. Lord God, let us see miracles, signs and wonders. Confirm your word with signs and wonders. I ask right now for faith for miracles for every person here. Faith for miracles. Thank you, Lord. 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 There's no such thing as impossible in your kingdom, Lord God. And we receive that, Lord God. We accept that there is no such thing as a barrier to your gospel, a barrier to your truth, a barrier to your love. There is no such thing. That every one of those, every ruler, every principality, every power, every thought, every imagination that stands against your purposes in our life must bow to the presence of God in us. And we release right now that authority to get things done, that authority to change things. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Please don't forget to sign up for our 24-7 prayer that starts on the 30th of July. We, we're trusting that we will impact this nation because of that prayer. So please sign up for that. Take an hour. When you face problems, get into your prayer closet. Remember that victory comes through prayer, that God makes a difference. Amen. God bless you. Have a glorious day. If you would like prayer for anything, please come to the front. We have a prayer team who would love to pray for you. Also, um, don't rush off visitors. We would love to see you at our visitors' reception. Also, please help yourself to a cup of coffee. Get to know someone you haven't known before because God builds his kingdom through relationship. God bless you. Have a really great day. Amen.